Hello everyone, you are welcome to another episode of the podcast. I am your host, Fola Shadi Anozie. On this episode, my guest is Dimeji Eyeowu Awi. He is a creative entrepreneur based in Lagos, Nigeria, and the founder of Dodo Gang, a platform dedicated to uniting plantain lovers through food, fashion, art, and events. He's also the creator of World Plantain Day and is an alternative spoken word artist. We spoke about his journey as a creative entrepreneur, the Dodo Gang, World Plantain Day, and how he has approached monetizing his love of fried plantain. All right. Welcome to the podcast, Imiji. Thank you for having me. How are you doing? I'm fine, thank you. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm excited to have you here. But before... But before we get to know more about you, I want to quickly talk about how we met. I believe that we met like a month and a half ago, right? Yes. This was at the event um, hosted by Olajide Oyewole LLP, right? Yes. And it was the event, was the World Intellectual Property Day yes. for, I think it was founders and CEOs of startups yes. in media, technology, entertainment, and sports. And I remember, I think it was during the networking session that I spoke to you and I said that, you know, I'd love to interview you on the podcast. And you're like, okay, let me know when you're ready. So moral of the story is, first of all, thank you for being here yeah, well, and, for, <laughs> and for actually coming. And second of all is to thank Olajide Oyewole for making this interview because I know it's indirectly happened because I probably wouldn't have met you. Maybe maybe sometime, somewhere down the line, I probably would have met you. But yeah, so just wanted to get that out of the way. Just say thank you for being here. Thank yeah. you very much. And you are doing an amazing job. So uh, thank you very much. Oh, no, 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 no. Thank no, you no. to Olajide Oyewole LLP for connecting us. Yes, you. no, yeah. It's, yeah. it's great. Now, um, before we came on air, you were saying like, you know, you're repping yourself, saying that you're Bash Ali. And your own your own nickname, Bash Ali, it is A-L-E-E-E. It's not A-L-I. Yes. Talk about how you got that nickname. My middle name is Bashir. So oh. in Ghana, when I was in Ghana, people would mess up Dimitri. They would call me Dimitri. So I just picked up Bash because it was just easier for people to get that. And along the line, someone, I think one of my friends, JP, probably shouted Bash Ali sometime. And a couple of people just said Bash Ali and it stuck. Okay, that's interesting. So are you a fan of the um, boxer Bash Ali? Oh, yes, definitely. I'm a big combat sports fan. So I grew up watching Bash Ali. So I knew I had to change the spelling of the name too. So. Okay, that's, that's cool. And you mentioned that you know you lived in Ghana, you went to school in Ghana, and your degree is in, you have a bachelor's degree in geography and economics, right? Yes. So first of all, talk about your experience in Ghana. What was that like for you? And why did you even choose to leave Nigeria to go to school in Ghana? Um, first, I think that time was cultism, I think. <laughs> I didn't want, I, I know I, I had a big fear of cultism in Nigeria. I didn't want that, man, so... Then I know I tried the UK route, probably didn't work out. But every, but I always had this dream of going to Ghana. I always joked about it with my friends in high school. Those those who tell you about it today. But then all of a sudden Ghana walked down and I was like, okay, no problem, let's go there. And I had some people there too, so it made sense to go to Ghana. And Ghana was lit too. So <laughs> how was it lit? Like how was it compared to Nigeria? Oh, Ghana was peaceful, man, and it just came with came with a certain freedom, man, to just. Like, it was an enabling environment, that's what I was saying, man. Not too many constraints, like, there's lights, if you want to do stuff, you can quickly do stuff. Security, you can go out around 3 a.m., you feel, you feel safe. Just do whatever you want to do. Like, when you think about it, there are no much limitations. In Lagos, you're thinking about police, you're thinking hmm. about that, you're thinking about so many things. So, there were not too many barriers to 
make things happen in Ghana. So. Obviously, I have to step into the shoes of a stereotypical Nigerian parent to ask you, why are you not using your economics and geography degree? Why am I not using my... <laughs> you don't know <laughs> stereotypical. <laughs> you went to school for this. Why are you not doing this? Talk about that. I started my brand in uni, actually. So, it's part of... I think I always kind of knew I wasn't going to do it. I wasn't going to use it, but... I, I, like, I'm a creative through and through. Like, things I'm doing now, things I've always... I've been doing all my life. So, it's just... Yeah, I just... I, but definitely, I had to take care of the home first before taking care of the streets. So, the basically... <laughs> Basically, I had to make sure my parents were happy. I had to give them the degree, make sure everybody's okay with that. Then, now, I'm okay with you. For now, I can focus on my own life. Basically, that's where it was. Okay, and you talked about you started your brand in uni, and your brand, your brand is Dodo Gang. Yes. And for people who are listening who may not know what Dodo, I mean, I think we all know what gang is, <laughs> but Dodo is um, it, Dodo in Nigeria. is what Nigerians called fried plantain. Talk about how the idea for Dodo Gang came to you it wasn't the idea for the gang and the Dodo gang name coming to me there were different times because at that point in time i was i was watching a lot of Wiz khalifa actually so i used to see Wiz khalifa day-to-day videos when he's always on tour with his friends and it just kind of felt like that that was the type of things i was doing with my friends and someone needed to document the lifestyle there my friends would always be rapping and nobody was recording videos of them and i just kind of felt like people needed to see this and i was watching one of the day-to-day episodes and if you know Wiz Khalifa, he calls his his group of friends taylor gang and if you research for that you realize taylor gang is just a group of people that love to wear chuck taylor's that's converses so i was eating rice and plantain with beef sauce actually i was watching day-to-day i was my friends were around me and i it wasn't there wasn't much thought to it. I just blurted it out, Dodo Gang. And someone was around and like, ah, Bash, what you talk? I said Dodo Gang. And yeah, Bash, you don't come again, you don't they talk all these things. Then someone outside the room too was like, uh uh-uh. uh, what's in Bash talk, Dodo Gang? I'm like, Yeah, like maybe gang of people that like plantain or something like and it, it was just then I I something struck me, the call struck me in that moment. I just knew, okay. Like I had at that time I had come up with concepts for people that they would probably go out of the way, like maybe events, parties that will blow up and stuff. But that Dodo Gang, I've just felt a need to own it. And I remember I was using the Blackberry then, Bold 4, and I just put it on my status. I put, I put Dodo Gang, and in about two or three weeks, people were sending me screenshots of people I didn't know, different people just using the name Dodo Gang, Dodo Gang, and just sending me screenshots. So I just knew there was something there. Then over time, just yeah over time then it grew into what it is today okay that's cool because i I, mean, I was just thinking when i was trying, preparing to interview that uh, is this something that came to you because every nigerian child grows up loving pl- i mean is it, are there people that don't like planting yes there are people that are, like, but they are not my friends <laughs> But is it that, is it that they don't like plantain? They, they don't like fried fried plantain because you know plantain you can make and boil it. Yeah, yeah. So is it that they don't like fried plantain, but they like plantain? The thing is, they're they're ignorant, so they're not even exploring. Oh it my enough. god! <laughs> and when you think of plantain, because fried plantain is the most common form, especially in these parts of the world, people just automatically assume fried plantain. So there are people that don't like plantain. Because I just came up from Rwanda and there was fried plantain there, but it was a different name. It was a different, I don't know, I can't remember the name that they call it in Rwanda, but. I'm, 
I need to research that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, I was like, oh, this is so interesting. I wish I had saved the menu at the um, hotel that we were. Okay, yeah. So the idea came to you, and you said you saw that thought that there was something there. Yeah. So how did you now say, okay, there's something there. How do I take it a step further and possibly look to Wiz Khalifa as some sort of um, yeah. inspiration? Um, at that point in time, like I like I said, I was still in uni, and I was PRO for international students. So I was doing events, organizing. So I was a popping guy in uni. I won't lie about that. I love how you praise yourself. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. I won't lie about that. I had been DJing, then I transitioned into events. But at that point in time, I didn't own any of the things I was doing. I was just doing it for the organization, doing it for other people. Nothing to my name. Things were just going up for other people. Then I remember I had this, just a series of conversations led to that moment. I think I came to Nigeria one time, then I was... I was chilling with my brother and his friends. They were done with uni and they were just thinking about how they were trying to get jobs and there were no jobs for them. And I just went back. I remember just thinking to myself, I don't want that to be me when I'm done with uni. I don't want to be done with uni and then I'll be looking for a job and I'll be saying something. I know that was one of the conversations that led to the thought process. I know that one, I was chilling with my friend JP. And JP was just telling me about how all his life he wanted to be a footballer. He had an injury. People were crying. He was crying. People thought he was crying because of the injury, but he was crying because of he was thinking to himself, so now that my leg is broken, what am I going to do with my life? And leading up, every time when I was growing up, if you ask me, what do you want to do with your life? I didn't really know. I just tell you, I'll tell you something to distract you so you leave me alone. By now, I, I probably wanted to be a pilot, I wanted to be a DJ, all these things. But I probably won't share them with people because I know they'll kill my dream. Then after that conversation with JP, at that point in time, I had already come up with the Dodo Gang name. Then I thought to myself, okay, I have this name. Obviously, it's catchy already. People are already, people I don't know are already on it. So what am I going to do with the name? And I said to myself, okay, I do a lot of these things. I draw, I paint. I can't write. At that point in time, I was DJing. I do events. So I was like, okay. So I'm not too far stretched out. I need a brand that shows everything I can do in one umbrella. I was like, okay, do the gang. Let's just go with that, man. And that that's was what, how, yeah. Yeah, that yeah. was what we started with. How did you now get to the point of starting a community? Because it's one thing for you to have an idea, like, you know, you say that, oh, this this can be something. But how do you now get other people to buy into that? People who also like Dodo. Like I said, in uni, I was a popping guy. <laughs> <laughs> so I just realized, okay, people like to... People like to be where I was. People like, like if I'm if I'm organizing an event or if I throw my weight behind an event, people show up there. It's, even DJing is not like... I set out to say I wanted to be a DJ. It's just I had a lot of songs on my on my laptop, and then my guys when they are doing drink ups and stuff, the blah. But I have plenty of music now. But just come and be my DJ, and yeah. So that's how that grew. Then I now started doing events because I was like, okay, I've been in this event space. Let me do a Dodo Gang event, and it didn't have anything to do with plantain. I called it unforgettable actually. That was our first event in Accra. <laughs> and if you, if Why are you laughing? <laughs> it's because of that event was, I don't know, coming, bringing that event together, everything, and how the event happened in the end. It was successful. I had fun. People that came had fun. But then people don't see what you had to do to get. Yeah, they only <laughs> see is the, the that, finished product. And at that point in time, on the flyer, I thought the Dogang would be like an event thing. Well, and my thing was, okay, at all our events, will be free dodo, free plantain. Not knowing in Ghana at that point, dodo means weed. 
So wow. I'll put on my flyer free dodo at the event. And a lot of people thought they would come to the event and see free weed. And they just come for the but we had a lot of free stuff at that obviously you're starting now, so you just want your stuff to pop. So a lot of people came through events was late it's a long story behind that event <laughs> yeah. i don't yeah there's a very long story behind that event but the event was late people came through and from that one just seeing how much crowd i pulled on my own in Ghana, where like so it just gave me ginger and from then i just kept listening to more people like when people request stuff i'll just yeah i'll just do that so from the events people now started saying yo you should do t-shirts you should do merch okay no problem I supplied the demand, started designing t-shirts. And from there, okay, started going more events, t-shirts in between events. And people just knew me around because you see me everywhere. You see me on the mosque on Friday, at the mosque on Fridays. You see me in class. You see me in the club. You see me at the restaurants eating. So you just see me everywhere. Mm-hmm. And yeah, from there. And when you see me, I'll tell you what's happening. Yo, I have t-shirts for sale. Yo, I have this event happening. So people just kept coming around and... Okay, that's cool. That's very cool. So during the course of my research, I found out that you also had a, you have a blog. Was that what you also started when you were in uni to complement like, okay, there's something there, but in order for it to scale probably faster, to build that community, I'm going to start a blog. Yes. Like I said, back then, my thing was, I felt like my guys then, somebody needed to document the lifestyle that they were living. Like, I'll just go, I might just be chilling with my guys and there's a producer someone is making beats, someone is freestyling, and I just felt like all this content, nobody's putting it out there. So I'll just always record them when they're when they are freestyling and all these things, and that's where the idea came for the blog. I need to put out what these guys are doing. I need to put it out on YouTube. And from then, it just morphed into what it is today because I realized they didn't see themselves as I saw them. Like, I thought they were superstars in my eyes. I was like, yo... You, a lot of the songs I was listening to then, they never got dropped. A lot of those guys are probably not doing music right now. But I was just like, man, I need to put... Even when they're performing on stage, I'll go, and, I'll go and record their videos and just put it out there. But they didn't pick up on it, so... Yeah, I mean, sometimes, you know, it takes someone not seeing you for you to see yourself. So, yeah. Okay, so you now finished from uni. And then you now become a an intern slash media manager at Book Buzz Foundation. Um, no, exactly. I started I started spoken word after uni. Okay, so let's talk about spoken word. How did you get into spoken word? Was it from your hanging out with producers, seeing that you have that passion? Yes, and yes, that that influenced my sound. Hanging out with producers and just helping artists too, man. Because when I'm doing events, I always try and get my guys on the stage or just help out anywhere I could, man. But I knew I always had words like I could write, but I wasn't just doing anything. I had written like a, a lot of stuff on my BlackBerry, actually. That phone, that phone tried for me. And can I just say that it breaks my heart that BlackBerry is not here. Like, there's no other phone that I use beyond, you know? Like, back in the day. Oh, my God. God it's, it's so sad. Like, it's so... Like, I'll be out at bars and I, I'll have ideas. I'll just start writing on my notepad and then I'll email them to myself so they're never lost. And that was that was just it. I had so I had written so much, but I hadn't put them out. Then I remember I spent a weekend with Piper, and I just saw how much Piper and Whiskey and Shady they were always sending voice notes to themselves when they have melody ideas, when they have have ideas for lyrics. They were just always always sending stuff to themselves through voice notes. I asked Piper like, "Yo, bro, why are you guys sending so much voice notes?" It's like, "Yo." When you have an idea, it's best to just put it down there so it doesn't get lost. 
Then I went back home and I woke I remember that morning I woke up like six AM and immediately I just started recording plenty voice notes. I, I was going to go into my notes and I'll just I just started recording. And this is when I had been in studios with like artists and I'll see their frustration sometimes because you want to record and then the producer wants to make beats and then you just have to chill and just leave you can't do anything you have to and I, even the negotiation processes sometimes you have so much to give but you can't pay the producer so all of those and i just said to my, I used, when i initially came up branded myself as a voice note artist and whatever you get on the voice note that's what you get and i used, i still had my dj i still have my dj skills so sometimes i'll record the ad lib separately then i'll just mix them out and put them out there like that so a lot of the recordings a lot of my earliest recordings were always voice notes then I've, I thought because I think like an Igbo man I always think of money and how money <laughs> but no you're about like money too now oh yeah we love money yeah, no, so why is it Igbo man no it's let's, let's, let's be factual <laughs> yeah it's uh, Continue, yeah, please. Yeah. So yeah, I, I always I, I was like, okay, this things. So I I realized that my production process could be faster if I cut out the producer, and I just focused on doing this. And I'll just basically what I do is I research how to soundproof. There are times where I'll just put my mattress on the wall or beside this thing. I just record myself on my phone, and then I'll put it out. I was just like, okay, I can't keep putting these things out. How? Can I monetize this? That's what the Igbo man. How can I monetize this? Now, before you go into monetization, I, I want to talk about um, why did you go with spoken word as opposed to maybe rap or singing? Beats scatter my like when I start hearing instrumentals, you can scatter. I might I might just start dancing to it or I'll just start going off on it, and I, I'll forget I'm supposed to create to it. So it eliminated the noise from me, and I just researched spoken word. I'm like, okay, there's this art form that you guys can just do. And but I knew what I was writing and the sound I was doing when I researched spoken word in itself. I knew I didn't sound like these guys and my content wasn't these guys. It wasn't doing what they were doing. So that's why I called myself a voice note artist initially. But then over time, I've realized, okay, what I'm doing is alternative spoken word. Yeah, okay. So you can continue with the um, monetization. So you now yeah. said, you, how can you monetize can all the things you're doing? Spoken word. In, in, yeah, exactly, specifically. Yeah. I was like, okay where are people making money from now streaming okay that's one part but then i keyed into color tunes crbt's color, color ring back tunes color ring back tunes so that was just something that was something that yeah i was i was keen on and i didn't know how to get into that then one of my friends working spinlet at the time echo and he just reached out to me about just getting out my my pieces on spinlets just for streaming and I, then he told me they do CRBTs too. I was like, okay, are you serious? So I started getting my stuff on CRBTs. And at that point in time, I had released probably maybe 20 different skits, different ideas. Then eventually, my first project was just a color tunes project. It's all skits for color tunes. It's called Oga Secretary. You should go and check it out. Hello, fine girl. How are you doing today? I can sense your nice smile. Would you like to be bae? I just hope as you're listening to this, it at least brightens up your day. Please do me one favor and don't forget to fry dodo today. I make you the talk high whenever I talk hey. Baby girl, timely replies, cause I ain't got all day. It be like say this person you they call, you know one pick, he doesn't want to hear what you have to say. I could just advise you, make you try call back so that you can hear my voice again. By the way, I'm a gentleman, but Charlie is my name and that's all I've got to say. 
And just in case you don't call back, please do have a nice day. I have actually. You have to talk. <laughs> I have. So, yeah. So, um, are people? Because you know, I, I feel like at one point CRBTs were really popping. Now there seems to be a little bit of a law. So, are you still making good amount of money from CRBTs? Nope. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. Nope. But recently, actually, even just last week, I have a new distribution on the table that we are currently looking at for CRBCs and this comes with marketing so I'm excited about it. Maybe by the time this podcast episode is out we'd have announced that. Yeah, so, that'd yeah. be clear. Because when, when I called you I heard your um, your ring back to you. Yeah, yeah, and I was yeah. like oh that's really, because I think when I when I was doing my research and I heard, and I heard your August secretary thing, it took me back to um, Where the MC's album. There's this thing that she has with Funke Akindele it's a skit that she says, green, 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 green. For you, my ring, or something, something, something. Actually, <laughs> I haven't heard that. Are you serious? I'll play for you when we're done. Yeah, no so problem. it just made me think about that. Okay, so just kind of going forward a little bit. So at what point did you now get into um, become an intern at Book Boss Foundation? I, I know I saw, I, saw, I saw the ad for the position online, and I, I, I was interested because I knew I could get it. Like, you know when you just have that inkling, and you, you had to write, it was like a, a little competition, you had to write to get it. I was like, okay, no problem. And I know when I put my mind into something, I say, okay, I, I need to get this thing. I'm going, I can get it. So I did that because I was even interested in the arts and book festival, just just a literary festival. Like, okay, this thing's popping. And at that point in time, I had, maybe I had like um, Wole Shenika's collection. Maybe I had just gotten it. So I was, but I knew Aki and I was like, okay, it has some Shenika-esque to it. So what's this about? Then I applied for it. I got my interview and then I applied in the way I knew, okay, I'm going to get this thing. And I got it and, and it was late too. Yeah, and I'm asking that because you know that earlier you had mentioned that when you came back to Nigeria to visit your brother, you had heard them complaining or a friend complaining about you not being, not being able to get a job, blah, blah, blah. So as you're finishing uni, what was your plan? Were you just going to focus on um, Dodo Gang full time? Or were you not going to were you going to get a job and then be managing Dodo Gang on the side? Basically, my plan was to do Dodo Gang full time. I didn't want to come back to Nigeria. I was trying to do what Mister Easy did, just blow up as a Nigerian yeah. in Ghana. That was really what I was trying to do. But I think I I, don't, I can't remember the timeline now. But I think I probably came back for a bit. Then I saw the position. Oh no no no! I came. Okay, I was doing. I remember I was doing spoken words and in my apartment in Ghana, so my mom fell sick, so I had to move back to Nigeria. So when I came back to Nigeria and in between, just chilling, I had to be with my mom, just chilling. Then I think I probably saw the position around because at this point in time, my plan had to shift because instead of me having to stay in Ghana, hustle as someone that's done with uni now in Ghana, I had to now had to start settling back in Nigeria. And I was just like, okay. Then I and I was doing the Dugan group. Yeah, I had done a couple of pop-ups in the, in Nigeria. Like, I had done um, fashion cookouts. I had done Mente the Mother. I had done, I had done a couple of those. I had sold T-shirts. And, I, and whenever I come out in Nigeria, I wish to sell T-shirts. So I knew there was a market here. And I was like, okay, what am I doing? What am I doing? Then I saw the advert for the position, and I just applied, and I got it. So Yeah, yeah. because yeah, I'm also just asking as well, because, you know, sometimes you really have a passion for a business or something. But like you said, your mom is not feeling too well. Obviously, sources of income has to come from somewhere else. Yeah. And I think that it's one thing we have to realize is that it's okay for 
you to prioritize things that are really really important and still go back to that yeah even going back now i'm even thinking because man honestly ghana was never working out because this is i'm i'm done with uni now i had so much free time i had even applied for jobs in ghana i wasn't getting them mm. i tried to present i wasn't getting them so i just sometimes i'll do a couple of open mics just just that type of stuff then obviously the Igbo man in me will always do calculations <laughs> You know, I, I, on behalf of the Igbos, I will make you an honorary no Igbo way, person. No way. My friends know. No way. I'll continue, please. My friends know. So yeah, I had done. I remember I released this new collection. That was my first time exper- experimenting with glow in the dark, and I couldn't get glow in the dark in Nigeria, in in Ghana actually. So I made the T-shirts in Nigeria. Then I brought them to Ghana, and when I did the conversion rate, this is when this is when Ghana started going down. They started taking lights doom. So they started taking lights. The currency was the exchange rates were just ridiculous and i had done the conversion rate of how much i'll sell my t-shirts in nigeria to cds and nobody in their absolute mind will buy a t-shirt for that price so a lot of my shirts were just were just in my sitting box idol. sitting a sitting idol and i was like okay what am i going to do so i actually started printing shirts myself in ghana because of that produced locally i, I went back to my Econs 401 book. <laughs> I started producing myself. The first batch of t-shirts I made, I produced them myself. I sold them in Ghana, bought my tickets, came back tonight. Wow. Then, yeah, I remember I did that. I did the collection. I did the 2,000 sales. I probably sold all those t-shirts that had been chilling with me. I sold them for like 2,000, 2,500. And I was selling. <laughs> I was just thinking to myself, okay, so why was I in Ghana racking up my mm. bills? And so... After I had sold a couple of T-shirts and stuff, then I, I think I probably I do, and then I saw the advert for the Bookbird Foundation job, and I applied. I got it. I'm working at um, Bookbird Foundation. We did Aki Festival 2015, I guess, and just working with LS Lolashone and just learning more about the literary world in Nigeria. Knowing that's how I got to know more poets more spoken word artists. I got to perform at the festival. So it was a great time for me. It was a great time for me to improve on my art as a spoken word artist and just see the other avenues, know what, how the literary world works and met a lot of creatives through that. So yeah, it was very good for me to work in there. So were you being strategic in the jobs you were taking um, while still building Dorogang? Because we're going to talk about the book that you have. Are there any lessons? Were there, were there, le- there were lessons at, that you learned working at Ake Arts Festival that informed how you eventually went about writing your book? You would say so, besides also just networking with poets, right? Because I'm, I'm asking that question because I feel like sometimes you meet some people and they talk about how I thought about this, this, this. I thought about how this was going to get me here. They were very strategic in doing this job because they wanted to get to that job. So was that the, was that the same thing for you? For me, going to Ake was first. I wanted to see how I wanted to see what it took to bring a festival to life. Then again, I, I read books a lot, so I wanted to see okay, how do we do an art festival? And then um, I draw a paint too. So arts and book festival, the literary festival, spoken word. It just it just it just aligned with yeah, me. Yeah. So. Yeah, and I wanted, I really wanted to see what it took to, from then I started having ideas for my own festivals. And, and now to go to Spinlet, so you're working as a social media analyst at Spinlet. What was your experience like there and how did that help possibly grow the Dodo brand, Dodo Gang brand even further? Spinlet, like I said, my friend used to work at Spinlet, Echo. So I had been to like a couple of Spinlet parties, a, a couple of 
they, they used to have these talks like master classes i had been to spin left for that so then i remember i was actually in the studio with my producer sammy bond when i received the call we we're finishing my first album the loose girl series then echo called me and i was like yo bro how far i'm going to new york for film school i'm with new york film school and there's an opportunity here like you're looking for someone like are you interested like and I'm a stubborn person. I wasn't really looking for... I, I, and I always see them as distractions. I just want to focus on this, my creativity. And I, I just told Sammy Bond in the studio, and Sammy was just like, ah, I'm on bash. How far? We need money to push this. Thing. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that was what Sammy said. So, boy, we need money to push this dream. If I accept this thing, check them out. That. So, yeah, that's how I got into Spinlet. And because at Spinlet, they had been monetizing my color tunes for me. So, they had a track record of what I was about. And that's really what I was doing at Spinlet as VAS and social media. But shout out to Spinlet, man. The whole. The, my time has been let, the people has been let, everybody has been let. If not for them, the Rugang probably wouldn't be, would have grown as fast. I, I wouldn't have made some moves if I wasn't as been let. Like, spin let really helped me do the Rugang because in my head, is the Rugang is the main hustle. This 9 to 5 is the side hustle. I don't like to tell myself, oh, my business is the side. Yeah, no, yeah. I don't deceive myself down at all. My business is the main hustle. Anything that comes to the side hustle, so... Yeah, and just to kind of lean into that, so one of the challenges that a lot of people have, I know I had it. So how did you balance that working full-time, like doing having a nine-to-five, and then still having to put your effort into your business that you're growing, particularly when it's a business that requires your full-time attention? Because there are businesses that you have, right, and you can actually be doing them small, 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 but then there are some that you re- it needs your full-time attention. So speak about that. Like I said, and I took it like, I took Spinlet like my side hustle and the Spinlet environment was just an enabling environment like my boss almost, if you hear John Aja if you go anywhere and you're, you want to work with someone and the person's name is John Aja almost, work with the person John is amazing yeah. John, you yeah. know yeah, John yeah, is amazing yeah, he's amazing he's really like, cool I call him superhero John John like John, like there were times when I'm doing a festival John will introduce me to people to, for me to send my proposal to my my colleagues will patronize my business. They will buy T-shirts from me. My colleagues would would actually invest in some of my ideas. My colleagues would, if I needed a loan, my colleagues would be there for me. Any Echo, OJ, a lot of the ideas that that exec, that I executed, I probably wouldn't be doing events as quick as I started doing because I was scared of Lagos, like oh, this tough environment. I probably, but me just going out and just hanging out with a lot of these people just made me my first event was AJ and I went out and went out and the next morning we had the idea for the event because we were at the venue so it's those type of things like being a spinner was just an enabling environment I can't even lie to you yeah and I think that again it goes back to the point of what I was trying to raise or that I'm trying to touch on or emphasize rather which is the fact that sometimes working in a nine having a nine-to-five job which as you're building your own business, people are going to work for you. It becomes a nine to five. But there are lessons that you learn working for other people. And those good um, traits and the good ideas that you see, you apply that to your own your own business. It's not always going to be about, oh, I don't want to work for anybody. Nobody's saying you shouldn't. I mean, that's, that's fine too. But I think people also have to understand that you take good things from yeah. where you know, your environment. 1,000%. I know a lot of my friends that are probably just... They're doing they're doing live shop. <laughs> <laughs> and they don't and I see a lot of these things that I had to learn 
doing a nine to five. There's some certain things, accountability, you're accountable every yeah. day, you have yep. to show up. You learn that, man, then yeah, discipline, like just knowing the hierarchy of things, how things work, like the flow of information, like you just budgeting. Res- just budgeting, like a lot of things you learn in that space, like communication, knowing how to talk to people, when to talk to people, respecting respecting the existing relationships that in that community. They just there's just a lot you have to take in it. And it's not really just oh, how much are they paying me or this. The knowledge the additional knowledge you're getting is probably something you can't buy. Mm. You mm. can't pay school fees for or something. So yeah. there's a lot of experience you get in that. Yeah. And then your network. A lot of the things I'm even talking about are from people from Spillet. So yeah. I didn't yeah. I didn't I didn't see it as like, oh, this I saw it as okay. Okay, this is now a side hustle. You can't can't thrive off of this. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Now you're the brains behind World Planting Day, which is celebrated yearly on the fifth of June. So first of all, happy belated World Planting Day. Thank you very how, much. How how did that idea come to you? I mean, I think it makes sense to have Dodo Gang, but at what point you're like, ah, we should actually have our own day. Shout out to my friend Ozos Soko, Kitchen Butterfly. So at that point in time, when Dodo Gang started popping on Instagram, like I used to write a lot of captions, like just witty captions. And the way I really saw it as that was how I could sharpen my writing, lyrical exercise for spoken words. So the Dodo Gang page just started having a lot of followers. Like my followers were just growing. Then I remember this page followed me. Wall Jello Fries Day followed me. And I, immediately I saw it, the idea just it hit me. I was just like, man, I wish I owned this. That, this is me being like, very honest. I saw it and I'm like, yo, I wish I owned this. Then I saw the followers. They probably had like maybe 80 followers or something. Or like 80, or 80 less than 200 or something. Then barely 20 minutes later, the account sends me a DM. Or maybe someone, I don't know if it was the account that sends me a DM or someone on behalf of the account sent me a DM. But turns out it was Ozos. And what Ozos told me was, ah, I like what you're doing with the gang. I like how you're managing your social media. I'd like you to come and do it for World of Love. And I was thinking to myself, okay. And at that point in time, I had never managed anybody else's social media. I didn't even know people were making money off of social media management. Like, it, it, it was just so alien to me. I'm like, okay. So I can, like, this thing I'm just doing for fun, I can actually do it and, like, make money off of it. I'm like, okay, no problem. We negotiated Water Love Fries Day. I started handling Water Love Fries Day. I remember when I started doing it, maybe like a month or two later, she came to buzz me like, yo, Bash, I like what you're doing. I want to increase your pay and I want to increase your work rate. I'm like, okay, no problem. I'm having fun because this is something I immediately I saw their hand out like, oh, I wish I owned this. So it just made all the sense in the world. And I was just doing Water Love Fries Day then... Yeah, Water Love Friday was just popping, like it was growing, it was growing actually. Then I remember I was in Calabar. I always take breaks from social media because the notifications, everything, you can get lost in it. It gets too much for me. So I always just take breaks and I, I always like to disappear for a oh while. Oh my God, like it's something that I, I strongly believe in that, but please go yeah, on. Yeah, I always like to take breaks for a while. Like back then, maybe if my phone screen breaks or something, I always used to thank God for that. I'd be like, yo now I can finally leave this thing. So I remember I had taken a break from social media. I wasn't, I wasn't even doing watch a lot for anything. And I remember I just got my apartment in Calabar that time at NYC. Then Ozos called me. And leading up to that time, we had done maybe a World Jello Friday event. 
also and I had thought of world planting day. A lot of people had like, okay, how far? Like, but it was just underground. Nobody had really. Then I remember receiving that call actually. Also, also like, and if you know, also, also, also has one nice voice like this. I said, my G, how far? <laughs> I'm like, I did. What's up? She's like, people are really asking for this world jollof rice, world plantain deal. You need to pick a date and just go with it. And I just doing world jollof rice there. I already thought, how do you even start this thing? It just seemed like it seemed so big. It seemed so big. And world jollof rice day, we used to have one issue every year. One guy would just come and be messaging us like, yo, this is my idea. You people are this thing, and these people took it. One thing, one thing, one thing. So I just, I just, I was just like, yo, also, how did you like? How, how did you? I said like, just pick a date and run with it. I was just like, that simple. It just seemed like Nike just do it, like just pick a date. I'm like, okay, no problem. Then I think my birthday was coming up, and I'm like, okay, no problem. What date will I pick? Okay, my birthday, June fifth. Your sense. birthday is true fit as yeah, well. Yeah, my birthday oh, is true happy fit. Happy birthday, Thank you very much. Oh, Continue. I'm like, okay, makes sense. And then, yeah, and that's how we started. Then I was like, okay, I was in Calabar. How would I start this thing? And obviously, the Dogan page had started popping. A lot of people, a lot of people that you see on TV and stuff, they're just big fans of what you're doing. And it's not like you're putting your face out there. They just love the entertainment and everything. So I had built some of the, a lot of those relationships. Like a lot of people had messaged me. And we just, just social interaction and just being consistent on social media I had already made some online friends so i just reached out to a couple of people influential people regular people and like okay we're starting world planting day how can we start this i need a couple of people to send me videos a lot of people sent me videos, so there were plenty of videos and we just put those out on World Planting Day, June 5th and it was just <laughs> that's, that's amazing so while you were doing world jollof rice day um, were you also doing? Were you also hand, were you also managing your Dodo Gang page? You were doing both of them. Yes, definitely. Okay. And it was just fun for me because man, I, this is a brand I thought I wished I owned, so it just made all the sense. And like, yeah, let me brag some more. <laughs> when I was doing, when I, I was doing the World of Rice Day page, they had like eight k followers, and this is from when I started. They had like eighty or like less than two hundred. So I grew that, and I just felt so happy about that, man. Like, okay. And Ozos is my G. Ozos is still my G till tomorrow. She still links me up with people and she's, she still calls my name in rooms when I'm not there. So wow, that's that amazing. Ozos, Kitchen Butterfly, oh, she's a G. I yeah, that's, G. that's amazing. Before we move on from World Jollof... Sorry to interrupt you. I want that's to fine. say, while I was working with Ozos for World Jollof, we never actually saw each other. So oh, it was just wow. An, it was just an online relationship and Ozos never owed me money. Ozos never... Ozos was just such a G, man. Like, she's amazing, man. Kitchen Butterfly, she's amazing. Shout out to Ozo. Like, like, she's not like an amazing uh, person. No, she's an amazing person now. That's great. So, I just wanted to talk about, um, for World Jollof Rice Day, I have to ask you the cliche question. Which one do you prefer, Ghana Jollof or Niger Jollof? I ah, definitely Niger Jollof. Are you serious? Ah, no, I don't, you don't think too much about <laughs> it. Ghana Jollof is not kicking it. No, Ghana Jollof is kicking it. It's just, Niger Jollof is just, yeah, it's just, just notches better. higher. Just notches higher, man. Okay. Like, All right. Like, but there's some certain things I like about Ghana Jollof. Ghana Jollof has meat in it. Like, you always, there's always, there are plenty of obstacles. But yeah, Niger Jollof, the taste is still baba. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, that's cool. So, you touched on a couple of um aspects of trying to monetize you know dodo gang as a business and your love for planting as you know into a business can you talk about that further so you do them you do merch which is the the shirts how did you now say 
we've done merch, we've done festivals, and we've not festivals, we've done events, which is people coming to eat and, you know, partnering with brands. How did you now decide to move on to books? Was it like just a seamless process to say we're going to have a cookbook? Okay, when did the organic page start popping actually? And people just, oh, people just swoon about your writing. Oh, you write well, you do this, you do that. Then I think someone must have commented on on one of my posts and like, yo, you should do a book, like a series of these planting things, something, something along those lines. Then Renny, Bites by Renny, she actually commented and she's like, yes, she, she seconded the person's comment, like, yes, you should. And I know myself, it's not like, my name not for my market. It's not like, it's not like I'm, I can fry plantains, but it's not like I'm the best. Like when I see people that can cook like that, Ozo's, Afro Lems level, I know I'm not on that level. It's not my strength. Mm-hmm. And Bice by Rainy, she had already, I had already shared her content on my page a couple times. And she's on that level. And obviously she seconded the idea. So it just made sense to ask her if she would be down to collaborate on it. And, I asked her and she was like, oh, oh my God, like, yeah. And she was like, yes, definitely. And so four years later, we released the book. Yeah, and the book is called 10 Easy, Ten ways, Easy ways to, to Love, love Plantain. plantain. Yes. And it's by Dimeji Bash, Eyuwawi, and Morenike Ayovon. Yes. Culinary Entertainment, a romantic book, a romantic book a romantic for, plantain book for plantain lovers. Now, I want to just kind of go to something. I want to ask you about the advice that sometimes people say, whereby they say, just because you love something or you're good at something doesn't mean that you should monetize it. Um, It's the whole idea that you have to leave things as they are. Everything shouldn't be about money. Do you subscribe to that belief? Because I'm asking that about your planting, your love for (laughs) planting. You know what? As I'm asking the question, it's making sense in my head that clearly he's going to say no because he think like an evil guy. But, but go ahead, go ahead. Don't you have bills to pay? <laughs> like, don't you have bills to pay? Like, life will hit you. Like, this is Nigeria. Yeah, but you know, I'm also asking that because you know, the people that also say that I began to monetize a love that I have, and then somewhere down the line, I just stopped loving that thing. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. There's this Richard Branson book I was reading. I think, I can't remember how, I can't remember the name, but it's like how not to go rich or how to think, something along those lines, but was rich people, was rich people problem. Like, mm-hmm. people that have money already and then they think about, oh, you can't, you already have the money. Us, we don't have the money. We have to use what we have to get what we want. So you have to be realistic about yourself. Yeah. If you're comfortable enough, you think, oh, I can do other things and just do this thing for the love, then do it for the love. Boy, if your idea red for street, you need to eat, <laughs> my guy. Do that thing and get your bread. Yeah, yeah. Then later, maybe when you've made enough bread, then you can now say, okay, I don't want to do it for the bread anymore. And you start doing it, you start doing it the way you want and not monetize it. But um, by all means, man, you have bills to pay. Yeah. <laughs> so get your money. Get, get, get that paper, right? Get your money. Yeah. Ah, yeah. Don't dull. <laughs> And as we're speaking on um, getting that money and not dulling, can you talk about your experience partnering with brands and businesses? You know, when you approach these people, do they see the immediate connection and the benefit? Or is it a case of you're having to convince them why this is good for them to partner with you? Yeah, that's a very good question, actually. Thank you very much. I know brands are going to be listening to this. So, yeah, thank you. (laughs) Let me adjust my seat a bit. Thing is, man... Because of what we're doing, Dodo Gang is so unconventional. Building a brand out of plantain, and it's you're, you're not, it's not like you're just it's not like you're selling plantain. It's not like you're a food brand. You're selling plantain. You're a lifestyle creator. You're telling people this is the plantain. I've studied how to live it. 
it's so alien it's like they love your idea a lot of these brands they love your idea they love what you do but it's not just a brand fit for them like it just does there's always a brand fit issue it just doesn't you see you they'll tell you your proposal is nice your this is that you're talking to this person you're talking but they just can't find how what they want to do with their brand or how they see their brand they can't really just see it tying into what you're doing so sometimes it, it becomes a bit of an issue and yeah man but thankfully we have a community and like the green community we're converting these guys so these guys are actually the ones that are doing it for us yeah some of them are connecting us to gigs some of them are coming through because i was about to ask how are you able to make those connections with all the brand whether it's a brand manager and all these different types of people well, yeah, at different places man you you need to like you can't be an entrepreneur in nigeria and not be socially intelligent yeah you have to network the system doesn't work for you so you have to go out there you have to be out there if like if i didn't come out i wouldn't have met you i wouldn't be here today so you have to go there you need to network improve your network because it's those relationships that are really going to help you so those help a lot and just having strategic friendships and like people that actually genuinely look out for you those help a lot because one phone call like this before you know it's and one brand wants you to run one campaign like that and then you know money has entered for this one (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah and just to kind of go back to your point about sometimes that but that whole brand fit issue do you think that sometimes the reason why that happens is because sometimes as nigerians we're so close-minded about the possibilities of what partnerships could look like like we can't just see beyond the traditional we're just so stuck on that is that would would you yes definitely i'll say that man because I, I had a conversation about that earlier today, actually, man. Like, last year, so much Forex. Like, at one point in time, I could tell you how many T-shirts I probably sold in Nigeria because I was just always shipping, shipping out. Because you realize that here, sometimes a lot of people don't really see your vision. So the people that get, like, your biggest fans, they're probably not in Nigeria. Like, so you have to start tailoring your content. Like, one thing I'll tell you about the shirts... Like, I have a lot of these designs that will probably say do-do something, something. But now, I'm, because I realize, okay, it's a global audience, I'm beginning to say plantain more than as opposed to do-do. So, you have to make those little tweaks too. But it's not like because it give you the template, you're not going to sell your brand out and fit into that because you're trying to make some bread. It's originality is the, long, the shortest part of longevity. So, eventually, the right brands will reach out. And yeah, Nigeria, a lot of people are close-minded here. Yeah, I don't know what it is. I mean, we're very creative, but when we think of the possibilities of what something can be or become, it's just like people like, oh, I just don't see it. I'm like, how are you not, you know, seeing these things, you know? Anywho, we are done with the most serious part of the conversation, so we're going to move on to the fun, random questions. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah, but I don't know, the, pre- the previous part didn't seem too serious. So <laughs> <laughs> some, some people be like, oh, yeah, grilling me too much, so yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay, cool. So the first question is, if you had to listen to one song or album for the rest of your life, which would you choose? Right now. 444. That's Jay, right? Yeah, Jay-Z. Okay. Second question is, which of the following spoken word artists would you choose to spend a day with? The options are Titi Lokwe Shonuga, Warsan Shire, or Miss Yankee? Um, Titi Lokwe Shonuga. Third question is, you can only pick one. Soft plantain with beans. Hard plantain with egg prawn sauce. Or soggy diced plantain and jollof rice. 
all the above. <laughs> I said, wait, wait, wait. I said you can only pick one. No, no, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> all is one. All is one. <laughs> all is one. <laughs> okay. All right. Fourth question is two things you have learned as an entrepreneur. Mm, less is more. And you can't help people that don't want to help themselves. Okay. And the final question is fill in the blank. My guilty pleasure is planting. Okay. That's cool. <laughs> That's great. So we have come to the end of the conversation, Dimiji. Thank you for having Do you me. have anything that you'd like to share before we wrap it up? Anything I'd like to share? Okay, we have an event. Okay, by the time this is podcast is out, probably be done. Yeah, but you probably have one are you gonna have the event? just only one this year are there going to be subsequent no, there, ones there will be more events definitely. okay so you're talking well, I'm, not, I'm not the type to review my plans <laughs> okay yeah just just check up everything we do man Dorogan, Pashali, just have fun catch crazy with us and brands man like it will make more sense for brands to like we have a community like a strong community it will make a lot more sense for brands to like reach out and see how they can tap into what we're doing and like how we can just Rob minds because we're open to tailored arrangements. You can always let's share this money now. It's not only it's not only these guys. It's not only it's not only, it's not only Lagos big boys that must chop. <laughs> Lagos big girls too gotta like, chop, you right? Understand? Uh, the do lovers plantain lovers need to eat plantain. So yeah, so they can find you on Instagram at dodo gang underscore. Yes, and on Twitter at dodo same, ha- same handle same everywhere. Consistency branding. Underscore, it's very easy to find. Yeah, and for people that may want to join the community, um, is it is the community just strictly on social media, or do you also have a WhatsApp group? Because no, some people do that. There's no WhatsApp group. I like I me mean, I, those notifications. Are like, <laughs> yeah, I like to sleep at yeah, night. Yeah, yeah. There's no WhatsApp group. It's, it's on, yeah, it's on. It's, even that that WhatsApp group idea, a lot of people have reached out for yeah. it. Yeah. Because it's such a, it's such a, it's a direct way to, you know, get in touch with people. But I, I mean, I just, I do understand what you're saying about, you know, having to manage, having to manage a Facebook group or WhatsApp group is so time consuming. You know, you're having to make keep people updated and, and engaged. You'd be, you'd be surprised how much time people have on their hands when people just are waking up. Maybe you're trying to do something serious. You just see somebody just sending you planting picture like this, and then your attention just wanes. Those type of things, and there's a lot of energies to do. It's it's best to just, yeah. Eventually, we'll have those, and that's what the events are for—for for people to meet themselves. Because yeah, a lot of people like my DMs for a lot of weird reasons. I'm trying to toast this girl. She likes your merch. Help me too. Like those, <laughs> yeah. Like people meet each other at my events. Like those type of things. Yeah, yeah. It's great. Yeah, that's great. Well, thank you so much for your time, Dimitri. Thank you very much for having me, Shadi. This episode is edited and produced by Fola Shade Anozie. Theme song for the pod is by John Akinola. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate and leave us a comment on iTunes and Spotify. It really, really makes a difference and helps the show get discovered. The podcast is also available on Podbean, Audio Mac, Google Podcast, and Stitcher Radio. Simply search for T H E S N C Podcast. You can also check us out on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Thank you for listening.